Welcome everyone, you're listening to Radio DDC Podcast by the National Library with me, Tiru, your host. In this series, we take our listeners down memory lane as we explore Singapore's musical history and the development of its music scene through audio recordings of local compositions. We will also be sharing stories and materials found in the library's collections. Each episode features a conversation with special guests from the industry and our arts librarians who will share their personal experiences and anecdotes as we traverse through the topics. Stay tuned! The 1950s and the 1960s was recognised as a golden age for Singapore Malay cinema. Lesser known was that this period was equally important for Mandarin and dialect cinema in Singapore. There were several productions in Singapore and artists from Singapore were involved in the productions in Hong Kong, including directing, songwriting, acting and others. For the next 30 minutes, we will be listening into the conversation between Chinese literary arts librarian Yu Mei and our special guest, Shu Changkai. Changkai is an independent researcher on the history of entertainment in Singapore. He has published several publications, such as one on the Queen of Amoy films, Chuang Xue Fang, in 2017, and another one on the well known comedians Wang Sha and Ye Feng in 2019. He's also an avid collector of historical materials in this area, such as posters and song albums. Hi, Jiangkai. Thanks so much for coming over here today. You started collecting from a very young age and eventually went into researching on the movie scene in 1950s and 60s. And you were even involved in the research projects of overseas institutions such as the Hong Kong Film Archives. What actually sparked your interest in collecting and as well as researching of the movies of the 50s and 60s? Okay, thanks for you, May. So the journey actually started way back in 1995. So it was at that point of time where one of Singapore's most well-known comedian, Ye Fong, passed away in September 1st, 1995. He was a pair with Wang Sha also a very well-known comedian. So they have brought a lot of laughter and joy to Singapore at the point of time. So I also liked their performance since young. So in 1995, where Ye Fong actually passed away, a lot of so-called the companies who actually produced the record companies, they came up with some so-called cassette tapes that actually records their recent production. So I went to buy all these cassette tapes and I really liked their comical skit very much. But people have been telling me that, oh, these are all the recent production. They have even far more better production in the past. That's why I went to look for their old records in the flea market in Sunai Road, in a lot of all these shops, all those Garanguni shops. Then I realized that, oh, besides cutting records, they also very well known in TV shows at that point of time. But it's difficult for me to really go and find the so-called the TV clips at the time. So where can I get the information from? From all the publication, the TV weekly, the radio weekly last time. So I went to look for all these publication. Then I realized that, oh, in the 70s, they even went to Hong Kong to make movies. So where can I get all this information? the 70s movie magazines. That's why I went back to search for all these magazines again. 
Then I realized that, oh, so the 50s, they have already been in so-called the Getai, the stage performing. So I went to look for information on the 50s about all this Getai. So I went all the way back to the 50s, to the post-war era, where they actually started. And I realized that this period is such a period where entertainment scene was really very flourished in Singapore. And it's not really being mentioned to me by my seniors or well-known to people around me. That's why I want to know more. So I went into the collection of all these materials, printed publication materials, where I can really have a better understanding of that point of time, how entertainment was like. And the whole period stretched until when I was in university, where my professor knows that I have a deep interest and I don't say a huge collection, and, and a collection of all these materials. And that is why when Hong Kong Film Archive in 2004, when they want to actually start a project on some dialect films that is produced in Hong Kong, but not being screened in Hong Kong. That's why when they want to do a filmology or research on it, they are actually lacking of a lot of so-called raw materials to, to actually research on. And all these materials are actually in the newspaper publication or in all these movie magazines that is produced in Singapore or Malaysia. That's why they need a researcher to help them to do all this research in Singapore. So they actually approached my professor and asked my professor whether he can do it or not. Then my professor told them he can't do it. One of his students that he can recommend that will have interest in all this area. And that's me. That's why he recommended me to the Hong Kong Film Archive. And I started the project to research on dialect films, mainly Teochew and Amoy that is produced in the 50s and the 60s in Hong Kong, but it's being screened in Southeast Asia. And that's why I went to the library's Microsoft film, newspaper Microsoft room to actually look at every day's newspaper and take down all the details of all these films. And it becomes my part of my, my research life. And in the end, I started to gain knowledge of that particular era because I'm actually reading newspaper for that era, every day's newspaper. So roughly, I know what is happening. I know what products they are using in the 50s and 60s. I know what movies is being shown there. I know what is the favorite thing that people want to know in the era. That's why when we talk about the 50s and 60s, people are wondering, I'm actually born in 1983 and how I know so much about the 50s and 60s. The only thing I tell them is that, yeah, I read every day's newspaper in 1950s and 60s. I read the 20 years newspaper every day. So people was quite amazed and they then finally understand why I have the interest and the knowledge of the 50s and 60s in Singapore, even though I didn't really went through that era. But I think like reading the daily newspaper of the 50s, 60s really makes you like living through that time. Like, yes. And then some of like us now, maybe not the physical newspaper, but also like the online news or some of the feeds on the, uh, the social medias to understand what is the, our life now. And that is the same thing as when you are like reading through the 50s and 60s newspapers. And I still remember like, yeah, because we actually went through our undergraduate studies together. And 
I still recall like finding you in the microphone room. The microphone room is almost like your own office already. <laughs> yes, because the time was really different from now. It was really about nearly 20 years ago where technology is not that advanced yet. So it's not like now we have newspaper SG or what. Last time it's really manually. You need to go and get the different rows of microfilm to plant the microfilm into the machine. You need to show and you need to look at every day because you don't want to miss anything. That's why there is no search button for you. There is no keyword search. You need to just manually just go through every day's newspaper, look at all the articles and make sure I can find information on this dialect film. Once I find it, I will take my notebook out. I will use my paper and pen to copy down, to jot down all the details. So that was how research was being done last time. I think you have learned a lot from the film and the music scene back then in the 50s and 60s and as well as some of the other magazines that you may have gone through. So can you like maybe share a bit more about what have you found out about this area? Yeah, as I said, actually in the 50s, the entertainment scene in Singapore is very flourished. Uh, mainly it's because of the Cold War, where there's an increased demand of rubber. So because of war, increased demand of rubber. And as you know, that Malaya is the place where we produce rubber. So at that point of time, a lot of people in Malaya actually... Yeah, they have gained a lot of wealth because of the increased price in rubber. So once people have more money, and it's actually after the war where things are actually getting better, they would spend money on entertainment. And that is why entertainment was really flourishing. The, the scene was flourishing in the 50s where you can see that people will buy records to listen. People will go to all these stage, this girl to listen to songs, to have a drink, to chit-chat. And a lot of publication is also being published because people are willing to buy things to actually get all this entertainment. And that is why we have many of our local stars that are actually also flourishing at the point of time. So we have seen a lot of people like Shang Guan Liu Yun, Zhuang Xuefang, and Pan Xiu Qiong. All these people actually very well-known singer and composer in the 50s because there is really a market for them. There are so many ties in the amusement park. We have three main amusement parks at that time. If you all remember, the great world, the happy world or the gay world, and we have the new world. So in every amusement park, there is also a lot of all these stages. They are staging a lot of performance every night. So you can see that actually this is really a scene where we need a lot of composer, a lot of singer, a lot of musician. And that is why this is the era where all these things flourish. And with all these performance, people want to know more about all these singers. They want to know more about all the news that is happening on the stage. And this comes with all these publication, all these uh, magazines that are just produced, just published, just to report all these happening in the entertainment scene. That's why we have a lot of this kind of materials in the 50s. So I think in the 50s, Singapore local entertainment is really very flourishing. And there are even several dialect movies that are being produced in this point of time. But sad to say, all these films are really gone for now because we really can't find so-called the original film. 
but there's a lot of materials that is left behind, including the magazines, including some of the photo stills of the movies. That is why we know that there are at least three or four Amoy, that means Hokkien movies, that was made in this particular era and is produced by local people. But it's said that a lot of people actually don't know about this history because after so many years, all these things, once it's not really being recorded or archived, it's all gone. That's why after knowing all this, we try to actually bring back all these memories to people and they are all being produced by local. They are being performed by people like San Quan Liu Yun, Fu Shu Yun. They are all local talents. That's why I think that the scene, all this is because I went, really went back to look at all these publication and through my collection. And there are also other collectors in Singapore who actually have got hold of all these materials. So it's also our dreams to actually really to put all these things together. Maybe, you know, we need to really publish a book or we need to do something so that our people will know that we do have such an era. Singapore movie actually started long, long ago, before the 90s or even before the golden era of Malay film. We do have our own Chinese dollar film also. Yeah, I remember like maybe two years ago, mm. there was also like a f- book on the film Sinker, the new, yes, uh, yes, new yes, immigrants. Yes, yes. yes, and that that's definitely like has been considered as one of, or rather the first featured yes. film, although it's a f- silent film, film, but uh, it's actually produced by a local company. Yes. That was even way much back in the 1926. Yeah, so that was the era where we, up to now, the materials that really we can find, we can say that it's supposed to be the first so-called uh, locally produced movie or film that is uh, made in Singapore itself. Yeah. So just now you mentioned about like the Amoy films and like Madame Zhuang Xue Fang. Yes. And in 2017, you published a book with two other researchers on the queen of Amoy films, Zhuang Xue Fang, who was an actor as well as a singer. And that I know that you also have like personal contact with uh, Zhuang Xuefang. Could you share a bit more about what are some of your personal contacts with her and some of your impressions of her? Actually, before I really started on this project with Hong Kong Film Archive in 2004, I really don't know who is Zhuang Xuefang. It's totally unknown name for me until I accepted this project and I realized that this particular person has actually cut more than 30 movies in just about 10 years' time from 1957 to 1960s. And I was quite amazed that why there is such a Singaporean doing such thing and a lot of Singaporeans, especially the young one, doesn't have the knowledge or doesn't know this thing. So well, I went further into this research because, as I say, I need to get more information on all these Amoy film that is produced. So I started to, to look at all the newspaper and I realized that, yeah, I could actually see her news every day. She was such a superstar at the point of time. She went to Hong Kong to make all these movies 
And all these movies are considered, as what we say today, blockbusters. You know, when it comes to Singapore, people really flood to the theater, to the cinema to watch. And she herself will go all the way to travel the whole Malaya cinema just for these films, so-called their promotion activities. And whatever she was at the cinema, you can see a lot of crowds. That is actually crowding around her. This happened in Singapore, in Malaysia, in Philippines, and she's a Singaporean. Why, so such a person? We have such less records, such not enough insufficient records on her. That's why I was quite curious about it. Then I was thinking she's a Singaporean, and there is no news that she has passed on or what. She should be still around. And just nice, there was once where she started. She was invited by Singapore Chinese Orchestra, a CEO, for a Mother's Day concert. And we saw, hey, that's the person that we are looking for. I told my prof, that's definitely the golden opportunity for us to catch hold of her. So we even we we bought the ticket. We bought the best ticket for that particular concert. We sat in, right in front of the middle. So that we we can really see her there, and we even went to buy a bouquet of flower, and decided that we need to see her. We need to tell her that we are doing research on her, and that was the time where I first meet her in person, and she was so touched that yeah, a person at young age of twenty plus, I'm, I was thirty plus at that time, I was doing research on her and know her films, know her things so well. So she was quite amazed and said, "Yes, if you want, we can have a time to chit chat over a tea session or what." So she invited us to a tea session, and we chit chat with her, and we found that she is actually just like us, a very common person, and so approachable. So from that time onwards, we keep in contact, and in the end, we become personal friends. I was telling her that you are such a wonderful person. Let's make a book for you, publish a book for you. So in twenty old twenty seventeen, yeah, uh, me and two of our friends uh, we gather together and we produce this book. I mean, one is to really pay tribute to her. The other thing is that we really want to record down the local talents and to let people know that we do have such a era of history where uh, we local entertainment really flourish in Singapore. So besides Madam Zhuang Xuefang, then you have also like come across the information of various different artists, especially those in the movies of a、uh, scene in the nineteen fifties and sixties. Then, like, who actually make a deepest impression on you, or rather, like, maybe you are a fan of that <laughs> artist? That's why I mentioned I started my whole journey because of the ending point of Ye Feng. Yeah, he passed away in 1955. So Ye Feng and Wan Shai is together, definitely. Both of them must be. We must talk about them together. I still remember when I was young, then、yeah. I saw their crosstalk on the TV, and then I think still now I still remember that scene about the crosstalk that they had about Jiang Si like sliced ginger yeah, 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 yeah. because it's also a pun on zombie. Yeah, correct. So that that was very funny. It really makes an impression till now. I still remember that scene that I watch on TV. That's why Wang Shaiyafeng is so-called a comedian. That really, I can still consider that is in our era where we are born in 1980s. So 
because it's all the way until 90s, they are still performing in TV program. So for people who are born in the 80s or early 90s, they will still have an impression of uh, Wang Xiaofeng really watching their so-called their live show on TV. So, but their so-called performing life actually started, their career started all the way back to the 40s and 50s. So it's like, like Madame Zhuang, they are really local artists that actually fought through this entertainment scene for their whole life. So right from the 40s, also in the troupe, in the Getai, all the way until in the 50s for movie makings in Singapore, until they cut their records, they even went to Hong Kong Shaw Brothers to actually have few films that is being produced in Hong Kong. So, I mean, they really stretched the whole so-called half a century of their entertainment career. And to me, that they are really true representation of a Singaporean comedian in the sense where, as you said, their performance, their crosstalk, their skit is really, you can really relate to your life and you can really remember a lot of things that they actually would try to tell you using all their performance. They are not just a clown on stage where they just perform and make you laugh and that's it. No, they really leave the impression to you by the things that they say because they really want to send a message to people using their skit. So no matter whether is it tell you not to litter, tell you to take care of your parents, tell you that you must do things in which way, must take care of elderly, they always want to have a very positive impact. That's why I find that all their performance is really very valuable in a sense where they are actually translating all these values to us true entertainment, true laughter. So they really give me a very deep impression because it was also my childhood memory, you know, watching TV, seeing their... At that point of time, I don't really understand like, in the sense where we really don't know the meaning behind. But now if you have a chance to take a look at all the performance, you really can see that they, they are not just trying to make laughter, but they are trying to send you a message behind all the laughter. So that's what I find it very, very valuable. And as you have shared earlier on, actually, yeah, when you started embarking on this journey mm. of collecting and researching, it's the starting point of your journey is really like the both of them. So it was because of them. That's why I went to research on all these, all their so-called, their past performance or their past records. At the point of time, all their records are being mostly done in dialect. And to me, it's a big challenge at that point of time because I don't really understand dialect. As a person that is born after the 80s, yeah, you know, we don't really have the dialect environment. So once we dig out all their past performance, then I realized what people were telling me that their last time performance is much better. Why? It's because of dialect. It's a dialect that is being used that they really can express themselves much, much better. And with that expression, sometimes it's really, you can't find a simple replacement using Mandarin. So the thing really must be actually translated in, must be performed in dialect. That's why um, people say that the past performance are better. It's really because of this element of dialect element. 
especially when you are trying to translate the pun, it's very difficult to yes. be doing doing it another language. Yeah, twenty years of like collecting and researching on the movie uh scene in Singapore. Can you like maybe share a bit what's your like maybe pers personal favorite film scene or film song or even like a quote? Actually, getting since nineteen ninety five when I started to look back at all these entertainment stuff, I really have found a lot of dreams, a lot of very good movies, film that's been produced in the past. And I'm very happy that I get a chance to look at all these movies or listen to all these songs, even they are not in my era. So that's a very fortunate thing. We hope to see your next publication coming out soon. <laughs> Hopefully. And I think you all can take a look at all the books that I have published in the past if you're interested. They are all in the library collection. And I, I believe the library also have some of their performance or their records in the past where you can actually take a look and hopefully something will just strike you and maybe one of these days you might be one of our team that is that is also doing the same thing that is recording the history of the past and helping us to preserve our heritage the next few minutes let's get to know Yume, chinese literary arts librarian at the national library Hi, Yume. Hello. What do you enjoy most about being a librarian? I think what I enjoy most about being a librarian is working with the materials, be it like trying to help the users with their research inquiries or even like doing our own research for articles on the collection. And it's that when we are working with the uh, materials, sometimes I will come across like lesser known artists, singers or like groups that uh, we may not have heard of them now but they were actually very uh, popular during their times. Right, and and you can get a, you know, see a glimpse of, you know, these stories behind, uh, you know, when you do your research, right? Yeah, that's right. And like for some of the artists or like groups uh, that I'm interested in, then perhaps like even as I'm uh, doing other kinds of research or helping other users with another kind of research topics, if I happen to come across other materials on the same group of artists that I'm interested in, then I will make a mental note or like even a physical note. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I know the feeling, yes. Mm. Okay, so I, I actually listened in with your conversation with Chiang Kai and I must say that he had a lot of fascinating stories uh, about, you know, the film scene in the 50s and 60s. Um, I could resonate so much uh, with him because um, being an avid Tamil movie uh, viewer myself, I have been, you know, doing some research on my own in about the Tamil movie industry in the 50s and 60s. And um, when he mentioned about being starry-eyed in front of his, you know, superstar idol and, you know, the comedians who come across uh, to the audience with a you know message and stuff like that. It was uh, very heartwarming, and it was also um, the things that we can draw in parallel to the movie industry, you know, in various different languages at the same period of time. When we talk about fifties and sixties, I think uh, the Malay movies were really flourishing in, in Singapore at that time. You know, the productions and all that. Yes, it was. It's definitely like mentioned on those research that is done on Singapore cinema. Right, and what can you tell us more about uh, this uh, era then? You know, so from the current research is that the Shaw Brothers Malay film production and as well as Cathay uh, Chris film productions are two major uh, players in that industry, and both have a production house in Singapore. So. 
actually for the Malay films uh, during the 50s and 60s, I think there's one uh, prominent figure. Uh-huh. That, P. Ramli, right? Yes, P. Ramli. Versatile man. Yes. He's basically an actor, director, composer and singer all in one. And he himself, when he was writing the tunes, he's, he tries to uh, improvise tunes to a new song. And as the current research shows that his songs, uh, Gataran Jiwa, is actually improvised from the intro of one of the Chinese songs, Puliao uh, Qing. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. And he actually uses that song for his film. And then uh, there are actually a few other musicians who are actually active players who wrote songs for the Malay movies then. Mm-hmm. So another one uh, will be Zubir Sayed. Yes, the yes. man who composed our national anthem. Yes, that's right. He also uh, was involved in writing of the movie songs. So, and... Besides him, uh, other musicians like Osman Ahmad, Yusuf B, Kasim Masado, uh, they are all like very famous um, active players during that period of time. And beyond the 50s and 60s, and for the more recent films like, produced after the 90s, uh, some of them will also produce their own soundtracks. Example, recent times, a uh, popular movie, uh, Papa Yao. Uh, mm, 881 right yeah during that uh, when it was just released I can still remember like the, the theme song Jilang Jipua mm. like Jilang Jipua Gan Ching that was like quite commonly heard during the time when that movie was really uh, popular so actually if you want to like explore more about uh, movie songs you might like to try the music SG database in which some of these songs by the musicians for the Malay films that I mentioned just now and as well as the soundtracks of recent films including that for Papa Yao can also be found on that database. Right, I'll definitely check it out. And if you want to relieve your childhood memories <laughs> uh, because we have like the Asian film archives they also deposits the films that are produced in Singapore with us. Right. So uh, some of these uh, including the Malay films and some of the more recent ones found in the library. Okay, Yume, thank you so much for having this wonderful conversation with us. Thank you, Tiu. You have been listening to Radio DDC with me, Tiru. To access the music featured in this episode, you can visit our digital music archive, Music SG, using the links in the episode description. Also, if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 